Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Sean, hi. Nice to be here today. A little oh. bit uh, noisy. Yeah, we're at a very now. noisy Ottawa Curling Club. The Monday ladder, open ladder, is currently on the ice. So we apologize for some of the ambient noise. We we're hoping to go upstairs where it's a little more quiet, but as you might be able to hear, some children are having what appears to be a track meet um, upstairs on the second floor. So we're down here. We're just outside the lounge. We're in between the lounge and the ice. So you get some nice curling club ambient noise. Yeah, it sounds to me almost like they're doing a caber toss upstairs. <laughs> Holy cow. So we wanted to talk uh, a little bit about the end of the Olympics. The Olympics is now completely fully over with the end of the Paralympics this weekend. Mm -hmm. And the Canadian wheelchair curling team finish is in third place. They win the bronze medal over South Korea. But I think the real talk of this tournament, at least from the Canadian perspective, is what happened in the semifinal. Yeah, in the semifinal there, the seventh end, uh, scores tied at three. Uh, Canada's throwing a, a takeout to remove a rock, and it looks like they've made it, redirected off another stone, except, oh no, it hit the chair of the, of the team skip, and so they, they said uh, to the officials, uh, hey, this was definitely going out, like, mm -hmm. and it, it definitely was, it was going definitely out. definitely going out. But it seemed to me like wa in watching the, the game, there was a lack of communication with the, between the official and the Chinese skip. And the Chinese chose to keep the stone in, in the house. Yeah, it, it didn't appear that there was a lack of communication. There was clearly lack of communication between the official and the, the Chinese skip. And what was interesting about it for me, I mean, I've had a lot, given that I spent two and a half months in China, mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of conversations like that official and the Chinese skip had, where you're trying to say something and you're each speaking in your own language, mm -hmm. and it's clear the other person doesn't understand. Yeah, and you're pointing, right? And you're pointing to... Uh, which sometimes even makes it worse mm. uh, when you're pointing randomly at stuff. So, so I could empathize certainly with both of them there, trying to understand each other, and I could also emphasize, empathize, empathize, empathize. There you go. With the Canadians, right? Because the Canadian skip the third, they come down, and they're when the official comes out, they're saying, "Bring their translator." Right. Uh, and then the official says, "Well, they don't have one," which kind of makes sense. I mean, they're in Korea, so they wouldn't necessarily need an English translator. Um, so they might not have had somebody with them or whoever their coaches were don't necessarily have to speak English. So we're in this situation where I, I'm wondering too, but, so let's, before we talk about the ethics of moving the stone or not, mm -hmm. who is it, who, who has to have the communication there? I think it's the World Curling Federation has to assure that all the teams can communicate with the officials. I think that's on the World, World Curling Federation to ensure that. It shouldn't be the team's responsibility if you don't speak English as a team to mm -hmm. have somebody there who speaks English. It should be the World Curling Federation should ensure that they have somebody who can communicate with the teams in their native language. Yeah, you'd think that would be a number one priority, especially, you know, with the, the officials are the ones that sit down with the teams and go over the rules before every event. Now, all these teams have competed in events like that before, so presumably know the rules, but but yeah, I, I think 
I think for sure you should be able to communicate with the official in the language of your choice. It's kind of like doing a performance review as a government employee, you know, you, you're entitled <laughs> to do that review in the language of your choice. So uh, in this case, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's one thing that I, I was really surprised by. There wasn't already somebody there who could ensure that the communication was there. Mm-hmm. So let's then talk about the actual ethics or whatever you want to talk, whatever word you want to use about this stone. As you mentioned, and if anyone hasn't watched this, please put this on pause and go watch this. It's actually quite fascinating to watch this play out. Um, and, and you can see it on the game in real time mm-hmm. as it plays out. So the way it goes, it's Canada's last third rock of the seventh end. And as you said, the, the stone's clearly going to go out, but it redirects off a stone and Mark, the skip, he can't wheel out of the way in time, so it hits his chair. And it hits the chair with such force that the stone sort of kicks up and leaves a ring on the ice. So mm-hmm. that's how cl- like clearly it was going out. Yeah. Like Stones yeah. that are barely going to get out don't do that. Like, they just would stop. Yeah. yeah. So, is it, because I think there's a great parallel with what happened with Rachel Holman here. Yeah. And a lot of people were upset with Rachel Holman when she took the rock out against Denmark. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were supportive of that decision. What was your take on the Chinese decision to leave the stone in play? Well, as you mentioned, when uh, the same type of thing happened to Rachel Holman, I defended her actions and saying that that's her right because that's what the rules are right and in this case yes the chinese team had the right to leave the rock uh in the house based on where they believed the rock would end up what what was uh sort of weird to me is not that they left it in but that they didn't leave it where it hit the chair mm-hmm. they they moved it to the back 12 foot which yeah seemed like pretty insane to me i mean it, everybody agreed at least on the Canadian side and the officials that it was going out yeah so if you're going to leave it in I would say leave it at the spot that it contacted the chair so that you know because that you, then you're just making stuff up like right. oh well, yeah. yeah I thought it would stop here and plus what that did was then uh, it made the shot easier for for Canada and they eventually got out of it uh, as I said to you before we started it didn't affect the outcome of the end you know ultimately but it was it was just sort of a weird sort of half decision mm-hmm. and the, the the communication gap between the player and the official I, I don't think is is uh, excusable right and, and what, what was interesting to me is that so the Chinese skip from it seemed as though he was unsure as to whether or not the stone would have gotten out that seemed to be what he was trying to say that in his mind he wasn't sure I guess there wasn't a video screen in the building showing this because if he had seen it I mean any anybody who saw it would have said oh yeah it's out don't even worry about it Uh, but clearly he didn't see it and I mean given where he would have been it's very possible Mark blocked him out so he couldn't see the contact and all that so I mean I I give him a pass on that uh, in terms of if he didn't see it how, how does he know right um, but that being said, yeah, the decision to move it back was quite interesting because the official moves it mm-hmm. and then looks at the Chinese skip and says, okay. And the Chinese skip just sort of is like, okay. And then they, they keep playing. And what I think this situation highlights to me is that we have to get the officials with more power or, or something. Like the, the officials have to be able to come out and in, in a situation like that, 
where it's clear it's going to go out, they should be able to just to say, okay, it's, it's out. Or um, if it is, in fact, the Chinese, it is the Chinese right there to place a stone where they think it would end, mm-hmm. then it's imperative that the Chinese team places it. Yeah. And that the official doesn't place it and say, okay. Right, right. right? Like, that, that's where it was to me. Like, they didn't really follow the rule. It was sort of in between, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think we saw an instance of this last year at the Briar when there was a, a burnt stone or something happened and Gushu said, ah, I don't know if it was going to go out. And right. Oh, those are the trials. In the semifinal of the oh, trials, yeah. yeah. That's right. And that's the official right. comes out and says, I think it would have gotten out. Right, and they, so they took it off. Yeah. They sort of use the official as the tiebreaker yeah uh in what they they were trying to decide but and that but one was mean, even different because it was one i uh someone i can't remember who touched i think it was McEwen touched the stone that they were trying to hit and yeah. sort of moved it a quarter inch yeah, 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 on yeah. a run back and they still got it and the official said i think it it hit like a quarter of the stone it, it would have gotten it anyway and that right. was good enough for brad right um, and so so what it shows though is that at this I think you're right. At at the higher levels, it, you'd probably need more power for the officials. In the same sense that, you know, when you're playing slow pitch beer league softball, yeah, you can umpire yourselves. Mm-hmm. But once you get to the major leagues, you know, the players aren't calling their own strike zone. You know, right? And that's a similar situation where at the curling club here, yeah, okay, if I burn a rock, I'll tell you, and you can take it off or not. Like, who cares? We're not playing for anything. Uh, in particular yeah the concern of course is at the higher level if you make it all on the officials then one you probably you have to have more officials they have to be out there with the sweepers basically Mm -hmm. watching them as they come down the ice and then teams might try and get away with stuff right we've talked about this before and that's the problem with with empowering the officials where i think i think there's a compromise though where in a situation like that um that the official can come out and say no, it would have gotten out, right? Yeah, but it's yeah, pretty yeah, clear yeah. cut like that. And frankly, I would apply the same logic to the Rachel Holman situation, where the official could come out and be like, it didn't matter, right? Just leave it alone, right? Like in those sort of those ones that are kind of touchy, yeah. Or not, sorry, not touchy. That are clear cut. Like it's clear cut that in the Rachel, the Ra- the one that against Denmark, it didn't matter. It didn't affect the stone. Mm-hmm. It was clear in the Canada China game that the stone was going out. Like those are clear, they're obvious. The official can come out and be like, why are we talking about this? Let's move it, move it on. Right. That's sort of my take. Yeah, I guess then you get into the, the, the weeds with, oh, well, how, what, it would mean, what do you mean it was obvious? Like, you thought it was, but I didn't. And then, right. you know, yeah. But uh, we should hope that sportsmanship, you know, takes precedent. But you want it to. But at the end of the day, when you're playing for a gold medal, that could, you know could lead to millions of dollars in training money for your team for your country uh that could lead to you know hosting a world event at your country you know sometimes things happen and and that's that's i think that's when the officials need to be able to step in right yeah i think yeah and it's unfortunate that it happened in that setting at that time of the game right an important shot um, and Ina Forrest made a, she made the, a good shot too, right? And, yeah. Uh, it sort of happens that, that it doesn't work out. And again, you know, you don't want to be overly critical of the Chinese team either because it was Mark's fault. Yeah. Like it, Mark was at fault. Like, he, was, he was in the way. Like it's his job to get out of the way. Yes, the stone careened in a way that he didn't expect, mm-hmm. but it's still on you to get out of the way of the stone. That's the rule. Yeah. Whether it's wheelchair curling or, or, uh, curling here on Monday night, you yeah. know, you, 
you've got to get you're, out of the way of the stone if it hits your foot or if it hits your chair if it hits anything yeah so you're the one at fault for that and and that's that's how it works because it was it was interesting like he i guess he thought it was going to go under the one on the side yeah and it hit and he went forward whereas if he goes backwards he's probably fine yeah but he might have run into somebody else going backwards yeah. you can't you, you don't can't know, see right? you don't know so. who's behind you and yeah so it's a tough spot for him to be in oh absolutely right absolutely but but at the end of the day sean like like i said this didn't really affect the outcome of the end china missed their skips first shot he threw it through the house canada ended up uh, may, being able to hit the one that was left in the house uh, on that controversial call and they ended up with a blank. Now, if they had managed to get it out, maybe they would have had a chance to force. China would have had to hit. Maybe they roll out, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it was uh, a blank end. So nobody scored in it. And uh, watching the eighth, I mean, Canada had, had it set up beautiful. And China made an amazing shot on his last. Yeah, the Chinese last made a great shot. Yeah. So I mean, you can't really fault Team Canada for the way they played that game. Uh, they they were they were really good, I thought. You know, and and not that I've watched a lot of uh, wheelchair curling, but they played really really well. Mm-hmm. And you know, the bounce didn't happen right at right at the end. So. That's curling, right? Yeah. What's amazing about that last shot, too. So I was at the press conference when they announced the team. It was mm. at the trials here in Ottawa. And they let us talk to the players afterwards and just open forum. So I sat with Mark for maybe five minutes um, and just talked about the difference between the the, the four-person game um, versus the, the wheelchair game and what the real differences are when you play. And one of the things he said is that without the sweeping, you call the game a little differently because you can't be as precise, especially right. things like freezes and, and taps, those sorts of things. You, you can't be nearly as precise without the, the sweeping. And so with that as the context, then this, the shot that Chinese Skip made on the last one, um, after having talked to Mark, I thought it wasn't really even possible to make something that good. Mm-hmm. And he just threw an absolute pistol. Yeah, it was really good. But uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about was... Uh, why is the Chinese team yelling all the time? <laughs> they, they yell so loud, like louder than than you would hear in uh, the the uh, regular Olympics event. Uh, they're screaming at the rock, saying like yeah. "whoa, whoa," and and yeah, and I I just didn't understand it. Uh, the Canadian team wasn't yelling. Sometimes they would say like "curl, curl, curl," right. but they weren't like yelling at the rock no. and uh, obviously with no sweepers there then well, it's almost eerie when they just throw it yeah and then it's quiet it's, yeah <laughs> and you're just sort of listening to it glide over the ice so you do kind of expect in curling to hear some yelling yeah but uh, the the Chinese lead in particular she she struck me as being the loudest one and right. uh, boy it was uh, just going it to was town. something like well why not right you yell at it you yell at your bowling ball sometimes Oh, sometimes. And there's but, nothing. Uh, there's nothing you're gonna do when you yell at the bowling ball. It just sort of happens. But it's uh, it's a lot shorter distance too. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> so if it was longer, you'd yell at it more. Uh, if it was longer, I wouldn't yell at it as much. No, <laughs> not at all. Okay. So did you watch the uh, the bronze medal? So Canada loses that game against China. They go on to the bronze medal game. They win against South Korea. I just saw highlights of it. Um, seemed like they. Were in control in that last end. They had it sort of in the bag and played a great game. Yeah, yeah, they did play a pretty good game there against Korea. They Korean team were the best team all week. So, you know, uh, I mean, there was three teams nine and two, but 
but Korea seemed to be the favorite, and they were certainly the billing favorite. And they Obviously, did. Uh, yeah. They they Team Canada went out and did a really good job. Played a solid game and didn't give them many chances. Right, and there's nothing really else. I mean, that's the thing, right? In in the one game play down, metal game is a metal game regardless of if you're in a page or not. But um, again, I think it highlights why the page is good. Yeah. Right? You give. You really help to prioritize the the finishing first or second. Yeah, absolutely. The finishing first or second is is. Uh, an achievement it's a real achievement and that you know not getting that second chance like you would get in other events uh, I, th- I think it does need to come in to the yeah. Olympics you know having yeah. having seen it this year not working and yeah I think it's necessary absolutely so uh, our congratulations of course to the team I think Ina Forrest that's her th- third medal yeah third Olympic uh, in medal in a row and she became a bit of a, a star of that team uh uh, Devin Hero wrote a beautiful uh, profile of her. Oh. Um, I think it was Devin who wrote. I just assumed that yeah. he wrote all the curling yeah. stuff. So, uh, so congratulations to them and to the Paralympic team as a whole. Uh, I think it was a record haul. Yeah, Canada set a record new, uh, for Olympic for, medals. For medals, uh, and it's it's interesting to see the variations. Um, the one that struck me the most in the Paralympics was cross country sitting, cross country skiing. Oh, did you see any of this? No, no. So they're on, they're on, they're they're in a seated position. It's similar to the, I guess, downhill skiing, right? If you've ever seen the seated downhill skiing, mm-hmm. so they have like one ski underneath them, and it would take me about four seconds to fall over. Um, yeah, if that, if yeah. it even if I even got to four seconds, um, but they're doing cross country skiing uh, on that, okay. and they show these guys coming across the finish line, and I only saw the men, um, and then they they sit up, and they they look like a. Uh, a Dorito chip, like they're a perfect triangle because their shoulders are and upper so body is so jacked, <laughs> and then it's yeah, they're just so wide and so thick because everything is from the shoulders. Yeah, um, and it's just it's incredible to see when they sit up, like a speed skater turned upside down. With yeah, where the speed skater had those thick legs, the crazy legs. Yeah. yeah, like it was, it was, like it was insane to see some of these guys because when they're when they're going. Yeah. Um, you don't really notice they're sort of leaned over, lean, leaning forward and, and going mm-hmm. and then they finish and they sit up and it's like whole perfect triangle it's, what just it happened? was really really quite impressive so uh, so congratulations to the Paralympic team uh, from Canada and to the wheelchair team for their bronze medal absolutely absolutely so uh, oh, there's one other thing too uh, that I just want to mention in context of the burn rock if we just go back to the burn rock for a second the uh, in the game on Saturday night at the Women's World Championships, the uh, Team Canada was playing. Um, who were they playing on Saturday? Uh, Switzerland. They were playing Switzerland, and um, there was a a rock where um, Caitlin Laws trips. Oh uh, yes, I uh, saw Don that. McEwen yeah. and knocks the stone out, and uh, Benia Felcher, she. Uh, Says, well, you would have made the hit anyway. Let's just take it out. Wow. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't reset anything. She was like, oh, she made it. And and Caitlin Laws, if you haven't seen the clip, it's actually quite it's entertaining. Because yeah. um, Don McEwen was okay, fortunately. But like the stone, the stone is coming down. She knocks it over, and it's gone. Like there's, it probably would have made it. But this is one where, again, stark contrast with what we've seen 
yeah. uh, at the Olympics where being Felcher. Now she's a two-time world championship and is like, oh, whatever. Yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, maybe she thought she was going to lose that one anyway. So Yeah, but so we've seen very different reactions now to burn stones in a variety of different settings, right? Like the first Rachel Holman situation where she pulled it, the second Rachel Holman situation where she leaves it, mm-hmm. and then the situation with the Chinese wheelchair team, and then the... Uh, the situation with the Swiss women's team on uh, on Saturday night. It was just interesting to me the, the different ways that it could be played. Yeah, to see how uh, different teams handle the same sort of situation. Yeah, so now we're into the Women's World Championship. We've had the first weekend. I guess I owe a deep apology to my friends in North Bay. I was very critical <laughs> or skeptical of the energy that would be there, and the, the first two draws were jam-packed. Yeah, you uh, were uh, dead wrong. They were loud, uh, and it was exciting. Um, so that's my major takeaway. Team Canada, as we record this, is 4-0. Uh, we're not going to talk much about it, but do you have any initial takeaways from the weekend? Well, uh, my initial takeaways are just uh, some of the terrible things we got wrong in our preview. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just some guy yakking into a microphone here, and... Uh, yeah, I got a, I got another job, so I got uh, a lot of things in my mind. But okay, so uh, what did we miss? So one of the biggest things that we mi- missed up uh, was with this 13th team added, uh, there's going to be six teams make the playoffs this year yes. instead of the usual four. So the top two will get a buy. It'll be similar to an NFL style playoffs. Right. So yeah, top two teams get a buy. The, the two, three through six teams will play each other for the right to play in the semifinals. How do you feel about this? I hate it. I think this is a terrible idea. When I I heard about this, I honestly thought, like, in the schedule it says qualification round. I thought that was, like, a draw of the teams that didn't make the playoffs for rankings or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or to see if anyone, if they did a situation where people would have to go back to the world pool to basically qualify to get back in. Mm. I didn't realize they were letting six teams in. What what My initial reaction was, like, <laughs> it's turning into the NHL. Yeah. Like, Let's yeah. just let all the teams in the playoffs. Like it seems so dumb. I, it, it, and the thing is, it it doesn't address the page playoff. Like like being one two in a page playoff is still a bigger advantage than being one two in this situation. Like yes, there's an advantage of being one two, but it's not as big as a page. No, no. So you're minimizing finishing first and second, I think, and letting more teams in, which. Why? Which so, overall is doesn't work. No. Yeah. So what? So it's so a team can say, oh well, we made the playoffs because we were six and six. We made the playoffs. Like congratulations. Yeah. Like no. Like it should be the best teams. And if you want to add more playoff games, go back to the page. Which it's not hard to do. Yeah, it seemed to, to work. Right. I mean, yeah. I I didn't see anything broken with it. It's not like there was teams that were gonna win. Or had like a great chance to win that are gonna you know sneak into that last playoff spot. We've seen sometimes you know some a winner coming from the four spot, but it's not usually somebody that comes through a tiebreaker. No, and not usually. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that like what what is the point of this to add an extra game for some team? Yeah, and you're only you're adding one more team and two more playoff spots. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like. The chances in the old system of playing 11 games of going 7-4 and four and missing the playoffs, they're there. We've seen it happen before. But mm-hmm. you are likely to make the playoffs at 7 in the old system. 6-5 and five didn't guarantee you anything, nor should it have guaranteed you something, right? I, no, I think no. you have to win a, more than half slightly more than half your games, yeah. right? Like you have, to, you have to have a good record to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If it works out that, say, there's four teams 
they're all really good. Um, and they just beat up on the rest of the field, and then they sort of maybe split against each other. Yeah. Then okay. And then the next, the, 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 but maybe then the next two teams come in at five and five and seven or something, and okay, now I got to beat them again. Yeah. I, we already did our job. Yeah. So what's yeah? I, I just don't see the point of it, other than saying, other than giving countries who traditionally may not make the playoffs to say, oh, we made the playoffs at a world championship now, and I get that's good in terms of growing the game, maybe it, maybe funding. Um, maybe more sponsors would get on because, oh, you're now at the playoffs of the World Championship. Uh, I can see that, but it, it seems to me that it's watered down. It was unnecessary to do, and I, I don't get it. I'm, I like adding the, another team from Asia, the, the Asia-Pacific the Asia Pacific region. region Pac- Pacific Asia. Is, we had a correction today, uh, Pacific is, Asia. Like, it's a good region now, right? There are good teams that are coming out of it. I don't mind having a third team from there. I just don't see why we have to have two more playoffs teams. No, I just I, don't I, get it. Yeah, I'm totally 100% with you on that. And you know Vic hates it. It means more. Oh, yeah, more, you know. An extra, I think, and I, I think they're doing them at the same time. The, the two qualification three, games. Five. I think so. Yeah, When I, I looked at so. the schedule. So if for TV, it doesn't really even make like you're not adding stuff for TV. Maybe it's easier to sell tickets to a playoff game if there's two draws, like two games versus one. I don't know. But yeah, this makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's not ideal for anyone. So so that was the biggest mistake we made. Okay, what else did we do? Uh we also showed no love for Korea, which uh our friend Jason here is uh once again chastising us for on Oh, really? On, I, on Twitter. I, I thought I showed a lot of love to Korea. I know I didn't pick them to make the playoffs, <laughs> but I thought but it wasn't a reflection of their skill or ability or anything. I also didn't pick Sweden to make the playoffs. I just thought that the the Olympic hangover the Olympic was hangover. there. I was just betting on the Olympic hangover. Yeah, that's okay. all it was. Okay, and I, yeah, I think you're right. I think we have enough respect for Korea. And had we known there were six teams making the playoffs, for me, I would have for sure picked them. Oh yeah, if so, it's easier for me to add my two teams now. It's Sweden and Korea. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not hard for me. And we're gonna have one of those ones win, and now you're gonna say claim that you got, got it, it right time. the whole time. Had it the whole time. Never in doubt, Scotty. Never oh, in doubt. Oh boy. Uh, one other small error. I think we were saying Angelina Jensen for Denmark, and then I heard yesterday on TV they were pronouncing it Jensen. So okay. my apologies again for right. not being able to pronounce anything. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, so okay, so we made some mistakes. Mistakes were made. It- don't worry about it. It happens. We should say it was the third podcast of the week that we had recorded, and we record them all at one time. <laughs> so fatigue might have been a factor fatigue, as well. Fatigue was definitely a factor. I hadn't had a beer yet, so you know, yeah. I, was, uh, I was getting thirsty. Yeah, so all right. Well, so we'll watch for the rest of the week, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, and then finally, we'll just briefly, uh, we're recording this Monday night. Uh, big news today um, mm. in the world of team shakeups. Uh, John Epping dumps the front end. Uh Four hours later, sends out a tweet that uh, it's a re- uh, a reunion, Langer and Savile back together, front end for John Epping. Matt Cam stays at third. Yeah, this is uh, some pretty interesting news. I, I know I know we saw John Epping have a great week there at the Briar, and Matt Cam played, I think, the best curling I've ever seen him play. Yeah, he was out of his mind. Uh, and now you, I mean, where they were getting into trouble was a bit with Pat's shots at second there. So. Yep. I mean, those two guys uh, at the front end are great players, but bringing in two legends, I would say, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I got to say they're easily the favorites in Ontario next year. Oh, yeah, for sure. But what's interesting, too, about it, though, is Savile and Lang, certainly a lot more experience, obviously, than those, those two guys. 
Um, they're probably better throwers, certainly. But you wonder about sweeping. Like the the front end at the the Briar, they were going hard, and they saved some shots for those guys. Sure did. And Savile and Lang are older than they are, and you wonder if they're as good as sweepers. I don't know. Oh, Sean, I think this is shade th- being thrown at. No, I'm not. Uh, throwing, I'm not, I'm not as good a sweeper as I was seven years ago. Oh, I think I'm better. <laughs> but uh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, there's got to be some thought to that. But these guys are in pretty good shape. and Oh, they're in great shape. Much think, better shape than I am. Oh, me too. Uh, but bringing uh, their minds in to the team might help John, you know, the way that Brent was able to chime in with Kevin and, and sort of keep things a little simpler right for john because we've known he's gotten into trouble i think that's the key i think that's where it's more important is that they lang particular lang always had a lot of say um even with glenn and certainly with with kevin maybe not as much with kevin but that that mark and kevin would sort of make the decisions a little Mm -hmm. more frequently but uh the howard team would have a lot of group discussions and it seems like epping he he did a good job at the briar sort of trying to stay out of trouble Mm -hmm. as much as he could but that's always been his weak spot yeah is going too hard too too soon sometimes Mm -hmm. and not knowing when to bail or or whatever it was and yeah i think brent can be uh really good in that regard Um, and maybe with matt too you know you you wonder you know matt's a younger player as well so brent can maybe help with help him as well right at the other end in terms of if there's a need for the the far end to maybe suggest something or point something out yeah Um, yeah you know brent has and, and Craig, too. Obviously, they have a lot of uh, cachet. They have a lot of weight behind what they say. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it'll be really fun to see the two of them there hammering, uh, hammering those stones together. I think it'll be cool. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what this team can do. I, I think Matt Cam eventually will be a really good skip yeah. uh, in his own right, and I think it's exciting for him to be able to, to learn from these two guys, too. So mm-hmm. No, I agree. And, and it's interesting, too. I mean, obviously... The, the next step of this is when Mark Kennedy announced his whatever they were calling it um, right. that the assumption was that Lang would still be on that team and obviously that's not the case now so mm-hmm. it, it, we wonder now is is Cooey still going to play with Benny uh, are they coming as a pair or do they maybe go their separate ways and if they do I mean those are two big free agents two pretty big free agents you're right I saw a tweet there today i can't remember who sent it but they said it did kevin cooey just become the biggest yeah. free agent on the on the market and yeah. i i kind of think maybe yeah yeah I, I don't see any reason that those two hebert and, and cooey would stick together you know but who maybe knows? yeah but, but i don't see any like real reason to right out of the four of them they seem the most disparate in terms of personalities yeah um but you never know i mean and but you look at sort of where are the openings right now um and obviously manitoba has got some spots with reed and, and mike McEwen's team mm-hmm. so maybe you can form something there there's an interesting idea because of course benny's from saskatchewan uh brayden muscawi was of course the import there on reed Crothers team yeah. if you can go back maybe um, Benny could be the import and want to play out of Saskatchewan and they could put some together with maybe Adam Casey uh, and and Sean Meacham or those type those guys mm-hmm. maybe you could work something there who knows what's going to happen with the Laycock team there could be a way to sort of create something there out sure. of Saskatchewan 
uh, as with Benny being a part of that. That sounds like some Dean Moser fantasy there. Uh, yeah, the Saskatchewan team together. Yeah, we just got Dean very excited about <laughs> the possibility uh, possibility of that. But there's there's a lot of options now available yeah. to these guys uh, for the top guys. It seems like I, I'm surprised at how fast this has gone. Uh, the stuff that we know already of who's playing with who. Mm-hmm. The one today's was just out of like it was insane just how fast. Uh, those two tweets came out yeah. uh, one after the other. Maybe this too is what uh, um, Benny was referring to when he talked about teams being put together at the patch. And the patch, yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Uh, Twine Time, the Twine Time blog. Uh, I don't know if it's up yet as we record this, but he tweeted today that he was going to do a sort of free agent frenzy fantasy book type mm. all the teams now. Um, so like we'll it. check that out and see, see what's up. But and then I think the, the thing that we should also say that obviously this is very good news um, that Craig Savile is healthy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Obviously yeah. that's the biggest. And feeling good enough to commit to a, a full-time team. Yeah, so that's the biggest thing. And, and, of course, last year we were supposed to play him here at the Ottawa, um, and he wimped out. He was scared of Team Graham. Yeah, we... Um, he was scared of our mom, uh, who was just ready, coming in guns a-blazing. We had matching Golden Girl shirts, so... Yeah, and he, he, he just... He was so scared when he saw the draw, he went out and played in the Humpty's Champion Cup. Yeah, he, he just needed a, an excuse to get out of that uh, Ottawa uh, Perry spiel. Yeah, he had to go play a, a lesser team over yeah. at the Champions <laughs> Cup. <laughs> and uh, the team that subbed in for him, we actually beat. So there you go. He was yeah. probably right. To do it, yeah. yeah. We, had a good, we had a good day uh, <laughs> that Friday. Um, Beat, uh, played a few people who played on TV. Yeah. Uh, the TV teams, I call them. We went one-on-one against the TV teams. We did. So, uh, so yeah, but that obviously great news on that front, which mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Absolutely. Uh, there. So, uh, so a lot going on in the world of curling. We're only going to do the one show this week uh, after the three last week. We'll come back next week, and we'll do uh, a recap of the women's. Uh, we'll also get you set for the men's, uh, the last event in this season of champions. Um, That's with, right. With uh, Vic and, and Curling Canada involved, uh, a couple more events on the tour, which we'll talk about later in the month. But uh, but only one episode this week. Two back at you next week. Right on, Sean. Hey, did you catch any of that Elite Ten? Oh yeah. Do you want to talk about this real quick? Mike McEwen wins, which I think is hilarious. Uh, I didn't watch any of it. So okay. First event. First event after. Yeah. Uh, they announced that they're breaking up. They go out and win it. Uh, the they only beat thing. Gushu in the final. Yeah. Mark Nichols made a ridiculous shot. Mm. Uh, a triple takeout. Um, I hate the format of the Elite Ten. I really don't like it. I don't think it's entertaining mm. at all. Um, just play skins. Right. Or allow carryovers or something. Like I get that they're trying to do something different. If they want to say that TSN has the skins game and sort of has that branded, they want something unique from that. I get that. But once somebody goes up to goes up too. It, it's pretty hard to come it back. It feels like it's over yeah. almost. So yeah. uh, I'm not crazy about the Elite Ten. Um, but I applaud them for trying something different. Absolutely. I, I went to the Elite Ten when it was in Victoria a couple of years ago and uh, Team Holman was playing and so that was kind of an interesting thing too to be able to invite different teams that come in and yeah i like that it's invitational i heard uh darren molding's interview with the two girls in a game podcast and he said i think that they had declined their invitation to go okay uh so soon after the briar so it's kind of nice that um that it's it can be invitational and and maybe in the future they'll think about doing more unconventional things like inviting teams from uh places that don't always get represented on the tour or or putting up some money or bringing another women's team in well i wonder too maybe maybe you have because there are 
this year there were no women's teams, right? And mm-hmm. maybe, so that means the women don't have one fewer Grand Slam event. Maybe you just make this an open event, mm. right? And you just say, here we're inviting five men's team and five women's team. Because in this format, maybe the, the advantage of throwing the big weight that the men's team tend to have over the women's team isn't as important because you're not clearing stuff out as much right because you're letting stuff i don't know could be Um, it would be i think it would be interesting to see yeah i mean because the 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 major issue with the grand slams i think is that you just see the same games over and over again Mm -hmm. right they invite a lot of the same teams to the events so here we can see if you're gonna have this different format why not change up the field yeah yeah that would be you know the the if you so you have 10 teams what would they do they played I think they play pools of five. Pools of five. So you play four games. So you have um, maybe you have to go then to twelve teams, and you have six and six, and then so it's three men's teams, three women's team in each pool. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Yeah, maybe. shake it up and see what see what happens. I I think it's a great idea because honestly, right like after the Briar, you know, to go right into another men's event, uh, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe if there was uh, some women's teams playing, I'd I'd check it out. Yeah, and especially yeah, the teams who were in the Briar, like you just played for nine straight days. Yeah, go yeah. play in this event. So exactly. Uh, but next year, of course, the schedule is going to be a little better with uh, without uh, without the Olympics being there. Yeah, it'll be a little easier to manage. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Darren Molding. That team also announced today that they're going to stay together. That's right. Uh, for the next four years, so that sort of clears up Alberta a little bit because um, we weren't sure about them because they were so new together. Mm-hmm. But with this success, they're going to run it back, rack it up. Do it up. All right, so that'll do it for this episode and this week uh, of episodes. So, like we say, we'll be back next Monday or Tuesday uh, with our recap of the Women's World Championships from lovely North Bay, Ontario. And then we'll be back later next week with our Men's World Championship preview. Uh, and then we'll see what the schedule is after that. I'm going away for a long time. Um, so we'll do uh, some car casts. Sean will record in the car. Yeah, we'll do some car. Ca- yeah, I'm going to Europe for a bit, uh, and then we're doing a baseball road trip. We can record during the baseball road trip, certainly, sure. uh, and we'll see what we can get out. But we won't leave you hanging high and dry. No, no. Uh, we'll have uh, some more curling content for you. But until then, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. Scott at Scott Lakes TV. I'm at Dr. Shawnee Fever. If you haven't subscribed to the show, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, please do rate comment all that fun stuff you can also email the show game of stone podcast at gmail.com so until next time keep your broom on the ice and don't dump that intern make the final